Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, I was joined by Professor of Law and Director of the Criminal Defense and Prisoner Advocacy Clinic at Georgetown University, Abby Smith, to discuss the first week of our coverage of the trial. On today's episode, we examine the first portion of an October 25, 2021 pretrial hearing. In this hearing, the prosecution seeks to prevent testimony from two potential defense witnesses. Our examination of the arguments in that hearing begins right after the break. 
Correct. So we'll get to the heart of your motion. Certainly. Schrader's interruptions of Binger are establishing a contentious dynamic between judge and attorney that does not seem to carry over to Schrader's interactions with the defense team. We will revisit this dynamic in our weekly recap. Binger responds to Schrader's prompt. The, the heart of my motion, Your Honor, is that uh, the court has already ruled that that incident is not going to be uh, introduced into evidence at the trial. The defense, by calling Officer Franco, uh, I believe, would be seeking to relitigate that prior incident because, as I said, her only connection to this case is the fact that she recognized the defendant from uh, taking a statement from him regarding that prior incident. And since the court has already excluded it as part of the state's case, I believe it's only fair that it be excluded as part of the defense case. Judge Schrader invites Assistant Defense Attorney Corey Sharafasi to respond. As Binger anticipated, Sharafasi argues that Rittenhouse's interaction with Franco as a member of law enforcement on the night of August 25th goes to his state of mind. According to the defense, Franco's testimony is evidence that Rittenhouse was not acting recklessly and is therefore relevant to the case. Judge, I, um, I would never relitigate a motion that I've won. Um, <laughs> so... I understand having been a lawyer for a little bit that if I open a door or I do something that uh, would potentially bring something up that the court has already uh, precluded, I guess I do that at my own risk. That's not the goal. I would never do that. It makes no sense based on what Mr. Binger has told you today that I would ever try to do that. But she is a witness. She was present during uh, the incident. So if we believe, I've never had this before, where we believe that she may have relevant information as somebody that was present at the scene, that she be preemptory barred from testifying because they think that we're opening a door that I have no intention of opening. So I think it's, it's only reasonable that the court allow her uh, to testify if she has relevant information under 90401. And if it is, then she'd be allowed to, to testify about that. I, I have no interest in bringing up to relitigate something that has already been ruled in our favor. The motion actually seems to encompass not just the incident of July 1st, but also contact that uh, allegedly was had between the accused and the and officer Franco on the 25th of August. So I assume that if, if you wanted to get the evidence in on your initially as evidence of other crimes, wrongs, and acts, and I ruled against you, but if... Um, if the, if the defense wants to go into it, then you probably get your way and it'll come in. With respect to the incident that allegedly occurred on the night that the uh, shootings took place, then, um, then um, what is the reason that you think that I should suppress that? Because it has no relevance. The report that Officer Franco submitted regarding her interactions with the defendant is very brief and simply says she had two brief but cordial interactions with the defendant after recognizing him from that prior report or from that prior incident. She would not have known him otherwise. Um, she, I'm sure, was out on the streets that night encountering probably dozens, if not hundreds of people, some of whom she might have recognized, some of whom she'd probably never seen before. She only interacted with the defendant because she recognized him from that prior report. When you are listening to the evidence and the jury is making a determination as to whether or not that conduct is reckless, all the facts and circumstances for the jury instruction come into play. What he was doing, how he was doing it, how dangerous it was, the recognition of that danger, and him having contact with police officers that evening, them assessing that behavior, um, allowing him to move on with his night, certainly is relevant to his state of mind as it goes to whether or not that behavior uh, was in fact reckless as that is defined by the jury instruction. So it's relevant. 
I can understand that you might be apprehensive as to some misuse of uh, some kind of testimonial on this line, although I'm certainly not suggesting that I see misuse coming, but uh, so you can temporaneously object. I think that's probably the better way to hand it, handle it rather than for me to, to slam the door on them before even hearing what purpose they want to use it for. Your Honor, this, this does tie into the motions in limine that I filed, and, and I, I appreciate Attorney Trossi uh, making explicit what I have long suspected, which is that this is going to be a trial over the police department's activities that night. The argument here uh, that was just put on the record is that the police saw the defendant that night, didn't stop him, and so, therefore, there's some culpability on their part or some sort of implicit approval of his activities that night or express approval of, that, of his activities that night. That's not relevant, Your Honor. The, uh, the police assessment of the defendant prior to him killing two people uh, does not have any bearing on whether or not his actions in shooting and killing two people were lawful or reckless or not. All I've done is looked at the jury instruction on what a fact finder is supposed to consider when making that determination, Your Honor. And if you look at that instruction, they are to consider what the defendant was doing, why he was engaged in that conduct, how dangerous that conduct was, how obvious the danger was, whether the conduct shows disregard for life, and all other facts and circumstances related to that conduct. And I would submit to you conversations, interactions that he has with law enforcement, go to his state of mind as to whether or not, A, how obvious that danger was, um, and whether it was actually dangerous conduct. Those are relevant factors to determine reckless behavior. And when he has conversations with police officers and they let him go about his business, and when the police say things like they've said on that tape, those go to his state of mind. They are absolutely relevant for the charge of reckless. He is charged with three different counts of reckless behavior in this case. So the way that Mr. Binger has chosen to charge the case has opened up, in our view, has opened up the facts and circumstances surrounding what had happened because the totality of the circumstances go into play in determining whether or not behavior is uh, chosen utter disregard for human life. The, yeah, the question is whether the defendant, whether the statements uh, or statement that the defense is interested in presenting is uh, something that would bear on the mind of the defendant, which is what we're looking for on all these charges, what the state of mind of the accused was. And uh, the, I will tell the jury, as we always do, uh, you can't look into a person's mind to find out his intent, uh, but you're to consider what he was doing, why he was doing it, um, among other things. And um, I don't know. It seems to me my uh, my bias at this point would be towards allowing that evidence in. So I give you, in many instances, what I'm thinking about uh, uh, as part of what's going to be the ruling. And I would tell you at this point, I would think that that probably is admissible in this case. In denying the motion, Schrader suggests that Binger can object during Franco's testimony if he feels that it is being misused by the defense. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The state's second motion relates to the defense team's intention to call a man named Dr. John Black as a use of force expert. Prosecutor Binger calls Robert Willis to take the stand. Willis has extensive experience as a use of force expert and as a law enforcement instructor. Binger appears to want to use Willis's testimony to support his argument that Wisconsin's self-defense law makes use of force expert testimony irrelevant. The law states, quote, a person is privileged to threaten or intentionally use force against another for the purpose of preventing or terminating what the person reasonably believes to be an unlawful interference with his or her person by such other person, end quote. Binger's motion asserts that the jury will decide whether Rittenhouse's beliefs were reasonable and that a use of force expert should only testify in cases where the person using the force is being held to a standard that is unfamiliar to the jurors. But Binger's intention to question Mr. Willis gets bizarrely sidetracked. Could you state your name for the record? First name is Robert, R-O-B-E-R-T. Middle initial is C for Charles. Last name is Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S. We just move the CV into evidence. Otherwise, we're going to be here till 9 o'clock tonight. It's 67 pages. And the court never hears another word from Mr. Willis. Instead, Prosecutor Binger makes a detour in his argument. Your Honor, I, maybe we can short-circuit this a little bit. I, I understand Mr. Richards essentially conceding that Mr. Willis is qualified. Uh, the court will recall my, my motion was not specifically aimed at the qualifications of Dr. Black. It was more a overall question as to whether or not the jury needs expert testimony to begin with. Defense attorney Mark Richards responds by articulating how the defense intends to use Dr. Black's testimony. And what we're talking about specifically, much of with Dr. Black, is analysis of the situation from a non-law enforcement individual and his ability to analyze those videotapes frame by frame for the timing. When we've looked at this case and I've discussed it with numerous people. When one looks at the still pictures, just still photographs, it seems to take forever for the events to unfold. When one looks at the videos, it seems to go snap of an eye. And we tried to break it down for time, so how fast these things are occurring, how fast Kyle Rittenhouse is having to make his decisions. And that goes into the mindset of whether it's reasonable for somebody of his age and stature in that situation. After Richards proceeds with his own step-by-step narrative of the events of the shootings, Binger responds. Your Honor, I think that's a very um, powerful closing argument for trial, but I don't think it answered the question that you asked, which is, how does Dr. Black's expertise, training, background assist the jury in making their decision? This is the central question of my motion, Your Honor. The videos can be analyzed uh, in front of the jury, frame by frame. A stopwatch can be used to time the 
sequence of events for the jury. Arguments can be made as to what that means in terms of thought process, reaction time, stress, decision-making, whatever we want to argue. Um, but I didn't hear anything in that narrative that uh, suggests that Dr. Black is necessary to help this jury make this determination. Anybody can use a stopwatch to time a sequence of events in a video. Anyone can stop a video and watch it frame by frame. There are opinions as to the intent of people. I don't think that's something that Dr. Black should be giving an opinion on. I don't think he's qualified to give that opinion. I'm at a loss for words for the state actually saying to the court or anybody that will listen, just use a stopwatch. If we have five people timing these things, you're going to have five different stopwatches, five different times. They're going to be greatly different. Dr. Black is certified in video analysis. He can break it down. He knows how many frames per second each thing has. Counting the frames, he can say exactly how much. I know that the state has sent out the video to an expert, and I suspect that the video expert has said the same thing that Dr. Black has. But we don't know that because there's no report. So that is important, very important. As to statements, we... Mr. Binger said, we don't know anything about what was in Mr. Rosenbaum's mind. We do know what was in Mr. Rosenbaum's mind from his prior behavior directed at Kyle Rittenhouse. It's reported by an independent witness who is on both of our witness lists that Mr. Rosenbaum stated to Kyle and that individual, if I get either of you two alone, I'm going to kill you. That was heard by a witness on the state's list. If they don't call him, we'll be calling him. Judge Schrader steps in and interprets Binger's earlier remarks as a concession to the defense. I think that the state has indicated that it does not object to Dr. Black testifying on the timing and on uh, the other feature that I mentioned. About, uh, uh, yeah, about um, human behavior, I'll call it, in terms of what people see, what they perceive. Binger responds to Judge Schrader's interpretation of his statement. I just want to clarify, Your Honor, what your specific ruling is with regard to Dr. Black's testimony. As I understand it, issue one is the uh, timing of the shots, um, where he has apparently done some sort of analysis of the videos and will offer an assessment of the sequence of shots and the timing thereof, uh, based on his training as a video analyst. Um, I don't have an objection as long as that's where we stop. But if we start arguing that this means that someone intended to do something or no, no, this no. means, then, then I, I think we're, we're crossing the line. But as long as we stop at that point and we just tell the jury these shots are, you know, within this certain time period, I have no objection to that. So if, if we're drawing the line where I have just drawn it, then I have no objection to Dr. Black, and I do not intend to introduce testimony from Mr. Willis. So, all right. Are we then finished with our testimonial portion of our day? I believe so. And so, with these limitations placed on Dr. Black's testimony, Robert Willis is dismissed after testifying only to the proper spelling of his name. That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we examine the rest of the October 25th pretrial hearing, during which the prosecution seeks to prohibit the use by the defense of certain inflammatory terms in referring to individuals involved in the case. 
Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. This episode was written by Vanessa Herron. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Korenik. And it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. And trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.